to Texans Unfiltered. Right, here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. And guys, welcome to Texans Unfiltered, where you're just going to stare at John's face without moving the entire time. I am Young Ari Gold, and John is frozen, but you'll hear his voice. How bootleg is that? I'm still here. Yeah, but you're frozen. Is it still frozen? Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing that can be done. Uh, welcome to Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. We've been actually having um, a lot of issues lately. Uh, see, yeah, see, we already got one. <laughs> Riot, welcome to the stream, man. Um, glad you're here. Typically, we have a much easier stream. Things have been going smooth for the last three months, but tonight, I guess, the coronavirus got um, either John's computer or got StreamYard or something, but... Uh, either way, everybody, welcome to Texans Unfiltered. Glad you're here. Uh, before we hop into – John, you're still frozen. That's going to bother me all night. Um, <laughs> Sorry. There's not much I can do about it, man. We've tried everything at this point. You're just like total lag, yeah. Um, hopefully your audio doesn't come through lagging for everybody else. Um, all right, before we hop into our Texans um, – Agenda. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about cr- the coronavirus, everything that's going on in the world, because uh, I think it's important. Um, I'm one to typically not take things serious when it comes to warnings and um, things of this nature, but given the circumstances and how fast it's moving, how many people have been impacted by this, and just how we're all pretty much on lockdown now. I mean, we're on lockdown in Austin. Houston's in lockdown. Uh, New York, Chicago, um, California, I think Kentucky. I mean, it's, it's Boston. Almost everybody is coming. I uh, Yes, right. Thank you for, for the heads up on the link. I don't know what's going on. It's a hell of a night, I guess. But uh, I really hope you guys are taking this serious. I really hope you guys understand that uh, we're on lockdown for a reason, you know, the, the reason is to contain this and get rid of it as fast as possible for us to be able to get back to some normalcy. Um, so just make sure you guys are listening to the warnings, doing washing your hands, doing everything that you guys can to, to take care of yourself, take care of your family, uh, hanging out with your buddies, grabbing beers, doing all those things. It's just not worth it right now. Just deal with the next three to six weeks of what we're dealing with and just – Let's let's move on. So it's it's very important. Cheers to you, Jay Weave. Um, so I, just please, please, guys, for your own safety, just just take this very serious and let's let's all listen so we can be done. Um, all right. Uh, the draft event, obviously, it's canceled. We joked about it last week, but we uh, we you know we didn't really get to it because of everything that happened with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, the draft event is canceled due to the coronavirus and everything that's going on in the world. I am working on a streaming option. I have a really good idea, right? Virtual events are like a thing now. They're happening all over the world. Uh, people are doing all sorts of different things. DJ Nice had over 100,000 people in his Instagram Live. Uh, Michelle Obama, uh, Rihanna, a bunch of cool people. So 
Uh, I'm thinking about doing something for the draft where we can do that. Uh, I'll let you guys know as I learn more. Uh, but, yeah, that's really about it. Uh, stay safe. John, how are you? Oh, you know, surviving. I mean, nobody can complain too much if they're not in the hospital, I guess. It's stressful. I think this is probably the most stressful um, couple of weeks that I can ever remember, um, just between the uncertainty. Like, this is this is tough. But we're getting by. We're doing what we can. It's messing up everything, uh, messing up internets, messing up our work lives, um, messing up I mean Jack my poor wife is working from home and being a preschool teacher at this point and we're some of the lucky ones like I know a lot of people out there are just absolutely suffering and struggling to get by um, both me and you used to come from food and bed and we know how right now that's just reading my Facebook is just it's unbelievably heartbreaking right now what some of the people through food and bed are going through so hopefully we can just all get our acts together, stay inside, um, and get this thing kind of flattened out so we can sort of start getting uh, not necessarily our lives back together, but returning to some sort of normalcy. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, you know, we're able to do a stream. Nolan, welcome back. Sorry about what was happening earlier. It seems like things are back to normal right now at least. Um, yeah, I mean – I'm doing the same thing with three kids at home now as far as homeschooling. Um, I'm likely going to lose my job in the next two weeks because this is directly impacting the business that I work for. Uh, so, um, yeah, things are tough, you know, but there, you know, there's lots of talk about like how tough it is. But then, you know, when you think about the food and bev industry, when you think about small businesses, uh, when you think about people placed on furlough who aren't able to get, um, unemployment because they're on furlough and they technically have a job, but they're just not getting paid. I was talking to Swan about that the other day. Um, so yeah, there's a lot going on and it sucks, but when you think about it, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, if you're healthy and you're able to be at home, uh, you know, you're making the right decision. So let's get into what we're actually here for though. Let's get into actual football because uh, that's that's what we're here for. So all week, uh, it's pretty much been it's it's pretty much been a clusterfuck of just complaints, right? And and we got it all out last week. So you that you guys that normally join the stream and uh, listen to the podcast, there's a lot of you. Uh, you guys know that we're we're typically the optimistic, try to see the best in everything that we can podcast and stream, but last week we kind of let it go. We let our hair down and, and really let everything happen the way it did. Um, it's frustrating. The lack of return, as I said last week, is really the biggest thing. Um, yeah, actually, Jay Weave, uh, I'm working with Zach Hicks, who uh, writes for the Colts, on doing a live mock draft event on Friday uh, on our YouTube channel. So, um Nothing is set in stone yet, but it's something I'm working on. So just another thing to kind of keep our minds off of things. But um, So we had a whole week of everybody bitching and moaning, upset, pissed. We lost DeAndre Hopkins, uh, you know, the greatest wide receiver in the league. Um, and it, it is what it is. Now we need to look back. But before we look back, um, we need to start to talk about some of the other stuff that came up. 
So I don't want to get into the Michael Irvin interview. I don't want to get into the things of that nature that that happened. Um, I want to get into some of the stuff that we heard about the 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 process and and what was what we were told and what what people were told and kind of go from there. So. Um, so the first thing is the Eagles were willing to give up a first-round pick until they learned of DeAndre's contract demands. So it sounds like, to me, that B.O.B. took what he could. It sounds like the DeAndre contract aspect of things kind of complicated the, the, the trade process as far as what we would get back in return. Um, it, it makes sense because the Eagles are in need of a wide receiver, so I can see that being a legitimate source, um, but, I, it, you know, last week we came on here and pretty much bashed Bill O'Brien for a lack of return, but then when you hear that DeAndre Hopkins wanted to make, you know, north of $20 million a year, I don't know a lot of teams that were going to be willing to trade for a wide receiver and then turn around and extend him when he has three years left on his contract. Yeah, that seems to have been what the kicker was. I, I don't know. It's still, it still blows my mind. Now, the worst thing about the uh, the information about the Eagles coming out is the rumor of us trading for Alshon Jeffrey might have had something. Um, which, I mean, we completely brushed that off. Like there was no way on earth that we would trade for him. So maybe, um, I just, I still think that Bill O'Brien has been kind of uh, flagged as a mark. Um, one of the uh, six ten hosts said it, and I think he, that's the best way to put it. They kind of know that when Bill O'Brien has a, his mindset to get something done, he will overpay or take a lesser value. He's not going to walk away from the table. He's gonna, he's gonna either he's either gonna get his guy or get rid of his guy. And right now that may end up being his biggest failing as GM because if he wants to get a guy, he overpays him like Tunsil. If he wants to get rid of a guy like Clowney or Hopkins, we don't get the assets in return that we need. Yeah, you know, it's a sticky situation. You see him overpay for guys. Now, you can argue that it wasn't an overpayment for – for Lermy Tunsil, you can also argue that it was an overpayment for oh, Lermy Tunsil. Oh, it was Tunsil. definitely an overpayment, but... I don't know if you could say I definitely, mean, considering we pro- we're protecting the, the asset of the future. Right, no, but I would say for what we had to give up to get Tunsil was an overpayment. However, our minds say that it's... In our minds and what the outcome most likely will be, we think that it's worth it. Like, it, we still overpaid, but it was it was worth it. Nobody else out there would pay that much to get it done. However, that's what it took to get it to actually get it done. I so look at Lermy Tunsil as, but it made it happen. I'm a I'm a sneakerhead, so I look at Lermy Tunsil as waking up on Saturday morning at nine to get the new Yeezys or the new Jordan Ones shatterboards that came out, and you missed. And because you missed, you had to go to the resale market and pay more for the shoe that you wanted. That's pretty much the Laramie Tunsil situation. Yeah, um, I, I, could ag- I could agree with it. That's a great analogy. If we drafted a, a first-round tackle that was able to compare to Tunsil, yeah, we didn't pay as much. Now to go out there and actually pay 
for something that's proven, that's out on the market, that somebody else controls, yeah, you're going to have to pay more. Yeah, that's a very fair comparison. Yeah. Um, so th- that the the contract demands are really where, where it starts, uh, where the issues started. But then when you go back to Lance Erline's report last year of DeAndre Hopkins not practicing, then you start to get into the – really the, like, lining of all of this, right? We know Bill O'Brien wants his guys to practice. We know Bill O'Brien wants his guys in, you know, game ready. And when you, you know, there's certain athletes in all sports that don't have to practice as often. And DeAndre Hopkins is one of those guys. He, he can not practice all week, show up on Sunday, and dominate the game, right? But from a leader's perspective, when you're seeing things like that happen, there's not, you know, you're, you're telling all these other guys to practice, but then you see, you know, ideally the best player is practicing just as much as everybody else to set the tone, to set the process and routine in place on how we're going to compete and what the expectation is. And when your best player is not doing so, it's a hard thing to, to manage, you know. It, it's kind of like you've been here, John. I know you have. I've been here too. You have that star employee who is always late, but you kind of let it slide because he's the star employee. But then you have the A guy who's always late and you're riding his ass. It's pretty much the exact same thing. You have to find that boundary on how to be able to manage those expectations. And whether he's a favorite or a star, it doesn't matter. Expectations should be the expectations. And he was not meeting those expectations. And it became a problem. Yeah, and in the same regard, We've also had that same person who's not necessarily a star. They're more like a B, maybe a C-plus employee that every other employee loves. And when you get rid of them, it causes almost more grief in the short term because, you know, you got rid of everybody's friend. You got rid of everybody's guy. Longer, long term, when they kind of take a step back, it's the right decision. However, the problem with Hop is, he is all of those things. He's probably he would be he would be your A plus employee that never shows up. But when he shows up, if he was a bartender, he makes two fifty to five hundred dollars that night. Get you a five star Yelp review, and then you got to wonder next week is he going to be there on time or not? And that, but every time every time you worry about whether or not he's going to be there, and he's always there. And that's the yeah. trade-off with Hop is he's the A-plus, and he probably gave him a lot of grief during practice. But when games showed up, he was always there. Now, yeah. I don't know with that, is that adding to more frustration with uh, Bill O'Brien trying to t- do an install on his game? It seemed like we'll kind of talk about this a little bit more, but actually, you know what? This is as good a segue as anything, but it – if you look at what he was trying to do with Fuller and Stills and even turn Hop into a big slot, um, I kind of thought about it after last week with David Johnson being this generation. I'm going to back and Marshall Falk was used with the St. Louis offense. Maybe see what the Texans are trying to do, why they went out and got Stills. It's not that they wanted Stills to replace Fuller. They want Stills and Fuller both on the outside where you have to roll both safeties to cover both deep threats 
you have a quarterback that is very comfortable throwing deep, and then you're looking at the throw underneath, and this is where both Johnson or this is where Duke Johnson was supposed to come in last year, and maybe hop or tight end to kind of operate under the middle. Now with hop, he may not have wanted to go outside, so or he may want to, not have wanted to come inside. He may have wanted to stay outside and don't want to play slot. I don't know, but that may have been part of the reason why he didn't practice as much as maybe he should have. It's because he wasn't interested in learning the slot position, especially when he showed up and they would put him in slot and just because he's hot, he would, he would beat everybody. And part of me is actually kind of, this is, I don't want to trash hop like at all. And I don't want this to come across hop because that, that's not what we're trying to do, but it's trying to understand what Bill O'Brien is wanting to do with his offense. You've got Deshaun Watson, who is fantastic at throwing a deep ball. You go out and get two deep threats, and then you're looking for yak guys to kind of take up intermediate and and short passes. That's what the design is. Like, if you go out and you look at a, the greatest show on turf is a great, if you want to look at the routes that we even kind of run, they're actually very similar. They're trying to run those vertical, deep, attacking routes. And maybe, just maybe, and this is giving a lot of benefit of doubt to Bill O'Brien, which right now I'm very, I'm very, but maybe that's what his actual game plan is and why we're paid on Randall Cobb. Were you guys able to hear me at all? That doesn't sound like it. No. Um, okay, so basically what I was saying was that um, there was a uh, – last week when we recorded, we recorded the day after the trade happened. So, of course, everything was based on assumptions – and what we were thinking at the time. There was no news, no nuggets. Now, this week, we're talking about everything that has come out and all the news that has happened. And I think that for us, you know, we're trying to, oh, Patty Storm, um, we're trying to explain the different sides now. We've heard, we heard all of Hop's side last week, and now we're hearing some of the other things in the reports that are coming out. North of $20 million, when you still have three years on your deal, um, it, it's <laughs> it's um, it, that's not alarming. Like that, that's that's a somewhat of a big deal, right? Like when you're thinking about it, uh, to renegotiate with three years left on the deal is almost unheard of in the NFL. DeAndre needs to go talk to his agent about the deal that he signed. It's not it has nothing to do with the front office at the time. That was a great deal, and this is going to happen with stars as the cap goes up and as players are resetting the market. Uh, JJ is a little bit of a different player, right? Um, well, you have to remember, Hop was coming off the worst year of his career when he signed that contract. Granted, it's because of the Brock officer, but it was still the worst, his worst season. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so, yeah, we're not shitting on Hop. We're just providing the other side of the story. It's pretty interesting to hear that. Uh, what Mike Lombardi said because on his GM Shuffle podcast because he has a direct line into Bill O'Brien. Him and Bill O'Brien go way back to the New England days. Mike Lombardi, if anything comes out of Mike Lombardi's mouth regarding the Texans, just know it came straight from Bill O'Brien. Lombardi does not is not one of the smartest guys, but when he says anything regarding the Texans, you have to start to listen a little bit. 
may not all be true, but there's parts of it that are. That are. Um, but he talks about the fact that Bill O'Brien believes this is Deshaun Watson's team. And for that to happen, uh, DeAndre Hopkins had to be shipped out so Deshaun could take over. Um, now, is that a bit extreme to ship out a guy because, you know, <laughs> you ship out the best wide receiver in the league because it's Deshaun's team? I don't know. I, I think it's a bit extreme. You could find a way to make it work. It's not like the two didn't have good chemistry. Uh, but at the same time, it, it's still just a little too much for me. Uh, but I understand the sentiment behind it. It is Deshaun's team. He's entering his fourth year. He's about to sign a massive contract. He's going to be here for a long time. If he, if you want him to be the voice, and there's already an alpha male in there, uh, that's what I thought. I knew what only had two years left. Um, anyways, you, you do what you got to do. But the value will always come back around. Whenever we talk about this deal, it's always going to be about the value and the lack that we didn't get what we should have. Um, all right. Let's get into the, the cryptic tweeting that everybody flipped out over. Um, it's funny because I really like this. Really? Oh, everybody. Do we have to? Yeah, we have I to. Mean, we have to. We have to just so everybody can feel is, a little bit better. This is because everybody's in quarantine and it's the Sean. That's exactly right. It's already broken and you got to make something out of nothing. Like, That's, yeah, agreed. I think... So what, what, well, you're the you're the rap star, or you're the rap experts. I'm gonna let you get into it because reading your your notes, I'm like, yeah, you're right. So I'll let you speak those. Yeah. So I mean, emotionless is uh, it's probably one of my favorite Drake songs, and I'm not a big Drake fan, uh, but I really enjoyed parts of Scorpion because he was very emotional. He reacted. He was very Bill O'Brien on this album. It's it's really funny that that was the song chosen to be used on by Deshaun Watson. Uh, because all of Scorpion is pretty much Drake separating ties from Kanye West and good music and Pusha T and basically cutting, just ending it all, right? So the the, the quotes are that, that it's, I don't know how I'm going to make it out of here clean, can't even keep track of who plays for the other team. Iconic duos rip and split at the seams. So there's a couple, like, the, these bars, there's there's a couple different layers to the bars. But when Drake rapped them, Drake was basically talking about how he felt dirty because of the, the ongoing beef between Pusha T and him not responding. So Pusha comes out with the story of Adidon. Any of you rap fans would know exactly what it's about. Um, and I might have to. Um but, you know, Push the T drop story of Adidon basically blows up Drake's game completely, lets everybody know he has a kid that nobody knew about. It's with a porn star. He was keeping him secret. He was keeping it a secret. And at the time, Drake was the biggest pop star in the world that it's very hard for you to even kind of cut him. You know, it was hard. But so this whole song is about him cutting ties with with that. And they grew up brothers, Kanye and Drake. Like Drake, Kanye did a lot for Drake early in Drake's career. There's just there's a ton that goes into it. And if you guys want to have a separate conversation, I can actually do an entire stream on just the lyrics itself. That's kind of my thing. But the point is, when when he goes, it's when he's referencing how people are are like the part where I don't know how I'm gonna make it out of here clean. Can't even keep track of who plays for the other team. He's talking about the fact that once DeAndre was traded, 
basically everybody wrote off Deshaun. This is this is how basically like once DeAndre was traded, people were saying Deshaun's not going to be able to do it. That you know he's not. Uh, John disappeared. It looks like the movie Us. I want to play like the thing. Um, anyways, uh, so he's basically talking about how people were counting him out already. Once DeAndre was traded, it was almost like, hey, you took away the best wide receiver. Let's see what Deshaun can do. And I, you know, he he sees it. He sees everything that everybody is tweeting. He goes after people at times. He's a 23, 24-year-old kid. He's in his emotions, and he's going to have it. So that's what he's talking about. He's basically saying people are counting him out already, and nothing's even happened. Then the next line where he says, iconic duos rip and split at the seams, he's talking about the, the us trading DeAndre Hopkins and basically their relationship and how it's just kind of split now. That's it. There's, there's nothing else to it. There's no shots at Hop. There's no shots at Bill, Bill O'Brien. I understand that after this, then he went and liked the finishing aspect of So then somebody tweets, Tyler Conway tweets uh, the rest of the lyrics for that verse, and it happens to have a Bill Belichick, uh, the Bill Belichick um, picture. And he likes the tweet, and then Twitter just decides to blow up completely. They say that he's leaving a week ago, the Vegas odds came out that in 2021, Deshaun Watson was going to be a New England Patriot. That's what everybody was talking about. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. It's not going to happen. Deshaun Watson's not going anywhere. We have full control over Deshaun Watson for the next four years. He can be franchised for two. We have him next year and his fifth-year option. He's not going anywhere. Feel free to log off the stream if you feel like it's only one person rambling. There was a part missing where uh, we were talking about the lyrics. Uh, you can go. There's another podcast you can find. Uh, talking that bull's really boring. You should like that one. Uh, all right. Uh, but anyways, um, uh, so that's basically what the tweet was. That's pretty much what the uh, the little Patriots thing at at the end. It's because of Vegas pulling that. I don't even know where that where Vegas could possibly get that information, that they think that Deshaun Watson's going to end up being the Patriots quarterback? No, he's going to be with the Texans at least seven years. He has five years from his rookie contract, and then he can be franchise-tagged twice. There's no way they're letting him out of Houston. No way. Yeah, no. I think that's the part that people don't seem to understand is – Deshaun Watson, we have we have control. One, that's one part that needs to be talked about. Uh, Deshaun isn't going anywhere because Deshaun knows that he can build. If anybody has heard his interviews, how he talks, what he says, Deshaun is all about his personal image and his image in the NFL. He is not going to go behind closed doors. He's not going to say publicly that he hates Bill O'Brien. I'm sure he has issues with Bill O'Brien. But we've talked about it before. At the end of the season, like, he's come out so many times to protect Bill O'Brien. I'm not saying that we like Bill O'Brien or that he should stick around. I think Bill O'Brien needs to go. But we know that he's not going to be fired right now. So what are we going to do about it? We, ha- we have to hope that we have a successful I mean, season, we, but yet he's still gone next year. We've already, we've already argued that if uh, Bill O'Brien and Deshaun's relationship was that bad, Bill O'Brien would be gone. Well, yeah, and it's not only that. Like, it didn't just get bad overnight either. And that's a part that I think people don't realize. 
like DeAndre uh, King Kieran or the Mad King, whatever, he said that he at the end of the season he was told by DeAndre that he was going to be gone by the by next season. Yeah. So there's rumblings about it, right? So Deshaun knew. Deshaun knew this was happening. This isn't a surprise to Deshaun. And uh, I know it's hard to think that way, but, you know, that's just the way it is. Like, when you have a franchise player, you don't let him make decisions for the team, but you include him in conversations. And I guarantee you there was a conversation there. Bill O'Brien and Deshaun are fine. I'm I'm sure Deshaun was the only person on the planet not surprised. Correct. Correct. If if there was anybody on the team, yeah, no. If there was anybody on the team that knew, it was Deshaun Watson. That's it. JJ Watt doesn't even have those privileges anymore. Yeah, I saw that video after the trade, but like you got to keep in mind, right? Like all it was was him looking at it, right? You're still going to be shocked when it happens, whether you know what's happening or not. It's more of like how it happened. And maybe it's also the fact, like, you only got a second-round pick and David Johnson back. Like, that face might have been more about the value received for Deshaun Watson than actual trading of DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, but, yeah, I saw it. I mean, I followed David. I followed Quincy. Uh, I talked to David. Like, yeah, trust me. Like, there is no issue here. Deshaun Watson will be a Texan for a very long time. He's not going to turn down this huge offer that is coming his way. He's been waiting for this his entire life. And to answer your point, Jay, we we all, if you listened last week, we are very well aware that the Texans did not get better from this trade. This is a culture trade, and this is Bill O'Brien letting his own ego kind of get in the way of what's best for the team because he believes that having a, I guess, a tranquil team that follows everything that he says that is completely bought in is more important than talent in the NFL. And which is funny because the one thing that we've said about about Hop over and over and over again is you look at some of these other diva wide receivers. You look at even Stephon Diggs. You look at Antonio Brown. Like, Hop never made a big show out of any of it. But he just apparently didn't practice and said some things during a meeting. And had too much control of the uh, the meeting room. And that was enough for Bill O'Brien to let him go. And doesn't, and it doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it okay. And go back oh. to what I said 15 minutes ago where we talked about Bill O'Brien's biggest weakness as a GM is when he decides he's going to do something, he doesn't. Which, in some lines of work, that's a good thing. But when you're trying to get value and improve the makeup of your NFL team, deciding to get rid of somebody at whatever cost, not the best plan. Deciding to waste or not waste, deciding to use an exorbitant amount of draft capital to get your to get your guy, probably not the best plan. Deciding to have two of the top five highest paid running backs on your roster when running backs are getting devalued, probably not the best plan. But this is all because Bill O'Brien has decided this is what he wants. So damn the cost, he's going to get it done. And fingers crossed that we have a good team, but nobody, nobody thinks we're going to. All of a sudden, if you look at the national landscape and what everybody's saying about the Texans is Bill O'Brien's in over his head. If you look at us and our fan sentiment, we all think that he's in over his head. So he's got the entire world against him, and maybe that's what galvanizes his locker room, but his, his locker room didn't seem very happy about this trade.
Yeah, no, and I think I think uh, right. You hit on a good point there. Uh, we already lost out on Chris Harris because of this. Uh, Benjamin Albright reported. Um, we're not going to get key free agents right now. What Bill O'Brien is doing is wrong. He's awful at his job, and he's in over his head. But, <laughs> I mean, do you guys really want us to, like, come on here every week and tell you that we hate watching Texans games and we know Bill O'Brien sucks and that he's – the you guys get that from 610 and 790 all day long. You get it from the national media right now. Like, you can't even – you can't even listen to any sort of football podcast, fantasy football, uh, scouting breakdown, um, the jam ones. You cannot listen to anything about them saying, what the hell is Bill O'Brien doing? If they say anything about Houston right now, it's all entirely negative. And, and I get it. <laughs> I mean, it's I, fair. I, I get it. It's you, fair. It's good, but do you want us to actually jump on that? I can't. I can't. Like I said, you guys have the national media. You guys have – 610 and 790, you guys have the other podcasts that can bitch and complain all day. I just choose to live my life a different way. I'd rather start to talk about a recovery plan and what we're going to do moving forward. So I think that that's a great yeah. transition because, you know, with Jay Weave, like exactly what you're saying, the Cobb thing. Don't look at Cobb as a replacement for for um, DeAndre. God, he's only gone a week. I already forgot his name. Usually that's your thing. Um <laughs> Yeah, don't look at Randall Cobb as a replacement for DeAndre uh, on the field because that, that's just not going to be it. First of all, you're not going to replace DeAndre. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to do it right now. You're not going to do it in the draft. Uh, it's going to be very hard for us to replace DeAndre. But here's the thought process behind, in my opinion, the Randall Cobb move. And, John, chime in as soon as I'm done. Bill O'Brien is going to a Patriots model. We've known this for some quite some time. I've talked for three years about how important the slot wide receiver is to this offense. It is the most important role outside of the quarterback for this offense to tick. It's just the way it works. Since Bruce Ellington left, and even in, when he was here because he was always hurt, we have not had a reliable slot wide receiver. You could say we overpaid for Cobb, and I would 100% agree with you, right? Especially after seeing what, uh, what um, what's his name, Robbie Anderson signed for today, two years, $20 million. That broke my heart. Yeah, that like. That broke my heart. It sucks, right? It sucks. You're like, two years, $20 million. He literally only got $1 million more per year on an annual basis than what Randall Cobb got. But here's the thing. You have stills. You're hoping to have Fuller. Those are going to be your outside guys. Now Randall can come in and get open in the middle. Robbie Anderson, that's it. Sorry. I don't know why. I'm totally out of it. I honestly don't listen to podcasts anymore. I haven't since the Chiefs game um, because I just can't. Um, it is. It's hard to listen to. Like, oh, they, they just shit on us all day. And I get it. Like, we're, we're, we look dysfunctional. We're the new Browns. I totally get it. I totally I understand the outside perspective. But goddamn, guys! Like we're it's March twenty what fourth. <laughs> There's still three phases left for us to add to this roster, and you guys are expecting this to be who's on the field? Come on, dude! Like we still got free agency, we got the draft, and then we got you know Bill O'Brien's favorite day, cut down day. Okay, like this isn't the final product. How many people did we add to the team a week before our first kickoff? Three. 
So it, it you know, it's just three don't starters judge it. at that point. Not yeah. just three players, three starters. And here's the thing: ultimately, at the end, and as much as we're trashing on Bill O'Brien, the thing we would just want is a winning team. I I hope that I hope that we're all wrong. Like we really do. We hope that. Bill O'Brien gets us to where we need to be, and the team takes another step up. It's tough to see that right now because we didn't get talent back for, for Hop. But at this point, you can kind of see what he's trying to transition to. And I'm not sure if any of what I talked about earlier, but it was like having the speedy outside receivers. And Hop wasn't a burner. As great as Hop was, he's not a burner. You want the type of offense that it looks like Bill O'Brien's trying to put out there there's guys on the outside that are not necessarily even great receivers, but they just stretch the field. That's what the Patriots always do. And then you rely on your running back, your tight end, and your slot receiver to, quote, unquote, run through the air. Short pass, short pass, short pass, occasional deep bomb. If you look at the type of running back that David Johnson is, if you look at what Duke Johnson is, you look at Randall Cobb, you look at the fact that we have spent a billion dollars, it feels like, on tight ends, that's what he's trying to bring. And whether or not, and he as great as the talent Hop is, it's another one of those things that we even talked about with Clowney. Maybe he just got tired of trying to squit, fit a square peg into a round hole. Yeah, no. Uh, to answer your question, I'd actually rather have Johnson because I feel like Johnson is more of an unknown, given his injury history and the l- lack of miles on his legs. Todd Gurley, I'm not sure if you guys watched him at all last season, but that dude looks like he has just been cremated. Uh, He does not look like the Todd Gurley that we've grown accustomed to seeing. Now, I could be wrong. In Atlanta, he might be. But um, I've always been a fan of David Johnson. Uh, I understand that he's not the same player, but I hope that he is. And that's the only thing we can do now is hope that David Johnson returns back to 2016 David Johnson because – if if he does, if we do somehow, somehow get 2016 David Johnson, this this team's going to be very interesting. But the, the problem I have with this team. Here's the thing. We get 2016 David Johnson, we're going to the Super Bowl. Well, if hold we on. Get that, if we get, that defense is really bad. <laughs> no, because we're – I'm not kidding. If we get 2016 David Johnson, I will put that bet right now. If he gets over 1,800 combined yards between running and passing – or running and receiving, we are going to the Super Bowl. Like, he is that good of a player when yeah. he's healthy. Now, is he healthy anymore? Does he have the capability of being healthy anymore? We don't know. So He could still trip up over his physical. This Right. Well, yeah. And that's kind of the thing with the return on David Johnson. We have the cap, pay, cap space to pay for him. I am not happy about it. I love David Johnson as a prospect. I love him as a player. I remember that draft um, that I wish we had drafted David Johnson. I didn't think he was going to be as good as he ended up being for those that two-year stretch, but he is a phenomenal player. And if we put him in the right scheme, we go back to we go back to man power power blocking, or man um, instead of get away from zone blocking, which we've done for the past two years. But if we go back to power blocking with David Johnson and how he can catch the ball, he is an absolute game changer. The problem is he's a running back. He's six months older than Hopkins. So we're going to get one or two years at best. That is best case scenario. 
However, if he comes out there and he is 1,800-yard beast David Johnson that, and you mix in Duke Johnson to spell him, yeah, we're going to the Super Bowl. But I just don't see that happening. Like As much as I'm hoping and I'm praying for that just about every night because nothing would make me happier, again, I love David Johnson. I just, it's not realistic to expect. We're probably going to end up, he may, I, I'll, I'll put money even right now. If he's healthy next year, he gets about 1,200, 12 to 1,400 yards. He makes the team interesting. He makes us be able to score a lot of points. We just have a very bad defense, and 1,200 to 1,400 yards out of, out of him is just going to be enough, you know, to make it all, all of our games heartbreaking. Yeah, I think another is thing about the Johnson situation is just the fact that, like, this guy is just getting pure shitted on right now. Um, you know, like he's gonna go. He he is now associated with potentially the worst trade in NFL history, and he's looked at as a sack of potatoes on like our what we received. Like that's what he's looked at as. And you know, those players use motivation. I don't know what we're gonna get out of him. I don't know if he's gonna be 2016. The likelihood of him being 2016, no. But you know what, Carlos Hyde a year earlier didn't. I mean, that guy was about to be cut, be on his fifth team, and look what he did. So, and we adapted our running style to Carlos Hyde's running style. So, if we were to do the same thing, it'd be interesting because he is a hell of an athlete. The biggest issue I have with all of this, and Riot hit on it, is the fact that we're counting on Will Fuller. And to me, that's a problem. (laughs) That's a problem. That's a problem because once Fuller goes down, you have Stills, and then you basically have three slot guys. You got Cobb, Kiki, Carter. Now, we're going to draft a wide receiver. We're going to draft a speed guy. And here's something I would say when you look at all the wide receiver prospects, if they don't run a 4-3, drop them off your board. I'll put that bet out there too. I want to look at your boy. Uh, uh, big slot. No, he doesn't run a four three. Yeah, he's a, he's a big slot. He's I like him a lot, but he's not going to be us. We'll get for y'all that are wondering who he's talking about. He's talking about um. Brian. going to call him Brian. Brian, Brian Edwards from Brian. Brian. Brian Edwards from the University of South Carolina. Um, he was. The number one receiver, even with Devo Samuel on the field, so that's the type of talent that he is. Clemson tried to get him to go to go there and play safety, and he was a five-star safety, a four-star receiver. South Carolina said he's going to play receiver. He went to South Carolina, was a starter all four years. Um, usually when you hear he was a receiver that started for four years, you're thinking that he's old. His first year, he was 17. And was in the SEC. He was the number one receiver on a very bad South Carolina team, but a number one receiver on a South Carolina team at the age of 17 in the SEC. Um, he doesn't have a lot of wiggle. If he was to remind you of anybody currently in the NFL, you'd say a poor man, Michael Thomas. He's going to break a cornerback, linebacker. He'll break him in half. Uh, once he gets going, he's got some pretty good speed, but he just he it's not quick twitch. But he's got great hands. He ended up being the punt returner at South Carolina because he never dropped the ball. And Muschamp got tired of every single one of our punt returners dropping the ball. And 
you can take his head off, and I, you literally, there's a lot of highlights of his head pretty much damn near getting ripped off, and he never drops the ball. However, he's also one of those guys that I'm kind of concerned about his NFL prospects because even in the SEC, he'd get hit big, he'd get up, he'd kind of wiggle waddle to the side, kind of like that Julio Jones where they're always hurt and they're all but they never sit out of play. He had that same thing going for him. Just such a big guy, takes a big hit, gets up, kind of limps off the field, then comes right back out. That's him. And honestly, if I was to say that was going to be his biggest weakness in the NFL, that'll be it. I don't think that he'll have a long career because of that. Um, however, keep in mind, we all saw Debo Samuel absolutely destroy people during the Super Bowl. And this guy was the number one receiver I had in Debo. Yeah, so I, I like him. Um, I, um, I, I don't really – I don't expect us to go with a speed guy. Um, I actually expect us to go with, like, somewhat of a bigger wide receiver um, just because – They're going to look for a size for a size speed guy. That guy from Colorado. Yeah. Um, I can't pronounce Tyrone Johnson? No, no, no. no you're regular oh, – uh, the guy that I want to call him Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to do don't, don't, don't ask no. me. Like, no, 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 no. Just, just Google me. Colorado wide receiver. <laughs> and then you'll understand why we didn't even try. Yeah. Ty Johnson out of Minnesota. He's intriguing. But we'll, as we get closer to the draft, there's a lot of guys. But I'll, I'll throw this out here now. If they don't run a 4-3, we're – we're not gonna, if we pick a receiver in the second round, he's going to run a 4-3. I will put money on that. Anybody anybody want to take that bet? Or another hat bet? Yeah, I'll take that bet. You'll take it? Hat or money? Yeah. You want to do hat or money? Hat. Hat? Okay. We got it. Another hat bet. Fine. Um, all right. So um, let's get to some of the other news that we're hearing. Um and let's answer some of the questions. Nolan, I think that's a great question. If, so let's start with Eric Reed. There are murmurs that Eric Reed is potentially in talks with the Houston Texans. Now, there's two reasons. Yeah, or there's, so. there's only one reason. There's only one reason that this would make me think there's no freaking way, and that's just because of the stigma around our team about, you know, some of the other stuff that has happened in the past. Um, but Kenny Stills is here, and, uh, you know, I think – I think Kenny kind of, with with the things that he's done off the field, he's done a lot for the Houston community already in just one year being here, uh, working with HPD uh, and uh, social injustice and things of that nature. So, you know, I, I, I don't know if that's a thing anymore, but I do think that Eric – look, if we do sign Eric Reed, don't hold me to this, but I would guarantee you Eric Murray fails his physical. If we do sign Eric, if we do sign Eric Reed, just 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 look at it, because <laughs> dude, Eric, Eric Reed would be—he's too perfect, perfect, he's too perfect of a player for for what we want to do. He's exactly what we need. Uh, granted, assuming that we still know what we want to do on defense, because we really don't know what Weaver wants to do, but assuming of following the models that we have and what they usually want to do with coverage. Eric Reed just makes entirely too much sense. Him getting to play with his brother, you would think that would kind of 
you know, intrigue him, regardless of all the other stuff that he may or may not have heard, um, i.e. Kareem Jackson telling people to not play for the Texans. Which is, you know, can we talk uh, about that for a second? Okay, yeah, let's go for it. He was with this organization for nine freaking years. Nine years. And in one NFL season, he fucked the Houston Texans with his stupid-ass suspension that cost us a third-round comp pick and the potential of or the, the having Chris Harris Jr. come here and play slot for us, which would have made me feel so good about this team if that would have happened. And yet... I don't understand why. And shout out uh, to Tiger Texans Roughneck Superfan. Uh, welcome to the stream, man. I'm glad you're here. Um, I, uh, I, it just pisses me off because I love Kareem. I love him. You know that. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that I am a Kareem fan. I wanted him over Tyron, I, you know, all that. But God damn, dude, why are, you, why are you sticking it to us like that? Like, and then you come on Twitter and you just completely mess with all of us. I just don't like it. That's it. You don't even have well, because, I mean, it's all because Brian Gain didn't call him and say thank you. Uh, I I petty. Bad I'm, jo- I'm joking. I'm You're probably joking. right. I don't, no, probably I, don't, right. I don't know if he's really that petty, but, yeah, that's what I'm going You're with. probably right. He's, he's just petty. They couldn't thank me. I'm going to burn them down. You know what? He was probably in on the, uh, he was probably on the DeAndre Hopkins trade, just out there telling everybody, yeah, y'all don't want him. He wants too much money. Y'all don't want him. Yeah, I don't know. It just sucks to see that. But, look, Eric Reed would be ideal um, for what this team does. Basically, look at what Jaeil Adai did and then times that by five? Nah, times that by seven. Well, look at what Adai did. Great, great. Did and put them together, and and there you go. Yeah. He's a great player. I mean, look, look, this, this should tell you how actually good Eric Reed is. He sued the NFL. He won, and he's still playing in the league. That tells you everything you need to know. Okay, you don't usually sue a company and then get rehired. Granted, he set a whole bunch of uh, Panthers records, and they yeah. released him after a season. So, yeah, well, he had a great season, but it's also a new regime that happens, right? Like that—that's going to happen. Yeah. New regime, new coaching well, staff. Also released Cam, so. Yeah, I don't know. But now, now Nolan, let's get to Everson Griffin. Everson Griffin would be ideal as well. You're talking about a guy opposite of JJ. You know, you know how we changed my outlook on the, the offseason? We signed Eric Reed and Everson Griffin. All of a sudden, not all of us forgiven, but I'm, I'm, up, I'm crazy optimistic again. That's it. Those two moves. It's because we only need a pass rusher. I mean, that's, I that's really it. It's not a... It's not a thing where you're looking at the team and you need all sorts of sna- all, all sorts of pieces. I started to watch a Lonnie Johnson film today. I'm th- I'm, I watched the Chargers game and the Jags game. Um, there was a lot of formations where Roby was playing so- slot and he was very effective, very effective. Um, Lonnie, I'm going to finish the rest of the season before I, like, truly give my opinion on Lonnie. I'll tell you this. Lonnie has every tool you want a cornerback to have. He just has to learn to use them all. Uh, there was some, you know, 
very, very recent, you know, some <laughs> double moves that he would like to take back, uh, specifically against Mike Williams. But Mike Williams is also a really good wide receiver um, that just people don't know about, it seems like. But, um, but Lonnie, hopefully he gets it. I'll find out more. I have about eight clips now. I'll have another, uh, you know, 20 or so. But um, Lonnie looks like he'll be fine. But when you have Garyon, Lonnie, Roby as your three, you're in a really good position. Then when you look at, look, Philip Gaines, while I understand the frustration with Philip Gaines, is more of about his injury and things of that nature. He was so cheap. And even last year, when he only played a couple snaps, he was effective. Vernon Hargraves, while in the slot last year, wasn't a uh, wasn't great. He definitely had moments, but he was better than Aaron Colvin, and he was somewhat average, right? When you look at the five corners that we have, and then you look at Jay Joe hasn't signed with another team, I, I think that there's a good chance we skip cornerback in this draft unless it just happens to be where one falls in our lap. Like if AJ Ter- Terrell is there in the second round they might grab him. But outside of that, you just need pass rush on this defense. You're set up in the – you're okay in the secondary. You're good at safety, especially if you sign Eric Reed. Your, your linebackers are set, especially inside. Like, you're good, but you got to get other people that can rush the passer. And we don't have anybody, and we haven't tied to any. There, there's nothing. Only thing I can think of on why we're so quiet on the pass rush front is because – Maybe we're giving up that 2022 first-round pick for Yannick Ngagwe. I don't know. Like, why are we not visiting any free agent? You guys got to keep that in mind. We just got another first-round pick back now with the new league year. We got 2022. So there's another pick for Bill O'Brien to play with. Not saying that he's going to do it, but we all know how he likes to give them up. So maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's why we don't have anybody coming in. Um, There's a lot of – I did. Have you guys used the new um, the football network 365, whatever it is that uh, Patrick Storm is a part of? They have a new mock draft tool, and it's really good. It's better than the the, the draft network one. And uh, Ross Blaylock has fallen to me ten continuous times the defensive tackle at a TCU, and he is a fucking monster. If we could grab him and a pass rusher with our two picks in the second round, I would be extremely happy. Defensive tackles typically do fall. Huh? So, defensive tackles always fall. Yeah. It's very, very rare. It's very rare for one of them to get taken um, before their consensus um, mock. Wherever, they're always overrated by the guys doing all the mock drafts. They always fall. Defensive tackles always fall. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now the only we one that's projected to go in the first to round is Javon Kinlaw. Outside of that, like... There's Dude, you want to talk about a beast. He is a beast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, can we trade up and go get him? Um, yeah, no, he's going for that. He, like, his, his ceiling is like he'll be the second coming of Aaron Donald, but bigger. Like, yeah. that's, like, dude's, dude's an absolute stud. Like, he weighs, like, 350, and he, he looks like the Incredible Hulk. Yep. Like when he first came in, he was round, and then his strength and conditioner got a hold of him. And South Carolina isn't exactly known for our strength and conditioning, and what they were able to do with him, I can only imagine what a year in the NFL with their training staff is going to do. Dude, there's only over the past five years, I'd say there's been two players from South Carolina that I really wish we would move and go get, 
Debo, of course, last year, because if we had brought him in, like I had said at the time, he was a rich man's version of Kiki. Boy, was that right? Because if we had him on our offense, oh, man. But that's beside the point because it's also scheme fit. Javon Kinlaw is one guy that I just, man, I, I would give anything to put him on. I, I really would. Like, talk about scheme fit, the type of talent that he is. Yeah, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Um, now, one of the things that I've been looking at is where can they move into the first round? And we, we have a while until the draft still, but it's uh, just keep an eye on the San Francisco 49ers at number 31. Uh, they just got the 13th pick from the Colts. Uh, we could we could trade next year's third and our either one of our second-round picks, probably our number 40 pick, and move up to 31 and either grab a wide receiver or grab – uh, a defensive end, uh, potentially. Uh, so there's a, there's still just – I guess that's the point, and we'll end on this. It's March 24th. You still have – the second round of free agency is just beginning where the scrubs are picked up. And you have the draft, and you have cut-down days. You have trades, which are now happening more and more in the NFL, which me and John have been telling you is going to happen the last two years. Picks are not as valuable as they used to be. The only ones that are are the first-round picks. Outside of that, you can move all the others. And the only reason the first-round picks are important is because you get the fifth-year option. That's the only reason that first-round picks are truly that important. Because if you can grab a guy in the first that's going to be a superstar, you want to be able to control him as long as possible. Outside of that, the NFL is moving to an NBA model, especially when it comes to picks. You want to get a player that can contribute and isn't a guess. And the draft is always going to be a guess. You just never know. It's just the way it works. Um, so, yeah. All right. Uh, John, what else we got? I, I know we had a lot. Sorry about the, uh, the, the connection, guys. Uh, we'll work on that getting fixed. I think there was an issue with our streaming provider. On um, this, this go-round. Yeah, so we'll... Once they uh, lift some restrictions, me and uh, me and James make it in the same room and report again because that kind of kind of worked out. So everybody stay healthy. Um, one of the things that I was just going to add to tie a bow on what what James said was this year is going to be incredibly wonky. I mean, between the pandemic, between the new CBA, between they're about to they're they're not going to be able to practice like they normally did right after um, right after camp. Draft picks this year are going to be a bigger guess than anything because pro day after pro day after pro day has been canceled. So this year is going to be very, very interesting anyways. And as much as we kind of want to lose hope, like I had this whole rant prepared about make sure you go out and support, like just off the top of my head, like running game, like the local Houston flavor places instead of actually buying stuff from the Texans this year just to show our displeasure about the D-Hop. I've kind of settled myself back down. Nobody knows what this season's going to come. Nobody. This is going to be the weirdest NFL season we have ever seen, and I can promise you that, and we'll probably talk about that more in depth when we have, you know, those summer months with nothing to talk about. But just kind of keep that in mind. And this team is not the team that's going to be put on the field, and it's going to be completely different. There's going to be more injuries this year. It's going to be, it's going to be a weird year. Yeah, no, it is. And, you know, the draft's likely to be pushed back, even though the NFL came out today and said that that wasn't the case. 
Uh, the NFL is also very, very self-aware of their image and what happens. So while right now they're saying that the draft will move on as planned, uh, as this continues to increase and intent continues to get uh, national coverage around what's happening with COVID-19, um, don't be surprised if that gets moved back, which then training camp, which then season. While I do think the season will happen, uh, it, there are, is a good chance that this is pushed back. Um, my Lakers still have to play so they can win a championship. Like There's a lot of things happening in sports that um, need to happen. But uh, just look, we're here every Tuesday. We'll still be here every Tuesday. Uh, eventually we'll get back to recording in person. Uh, but right now there's just a lot going on. John and I have kids. We need to think about our families and what's happening. And as much as I want to you know, drink a beer with John, we end up at, and having to think about the other things that are more important. But um, we'll also get the, this fixed on the technical side by next week, hopefully, too, to where we can do uh, our normal stream and John's not moving around looking out windows. Um, <laughs> but um, Just trying to get the best cell phone signal because apparently our Internet is down again. Oh, Oh, interesting. It's funny. Yeah. You've been better in that corner than you have anywhere else all night. Um, I know. I'll say this. I can tell by when you're talking. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll say this. Uh, thank you so much, Giovanni. I really appreciate it. I really hope I don't either because I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, it would likely mean a move to California. But um, anyways, during this time, spend time with your kids, spend time with your family. Uh, you don't have these opportunities very often, and I don't feel like this is a part they just talked about enough. You guys are locked and confined with your family. Like, dude, spend time with them. Take take advantage of them. If you've never been able to work from home and now you are and your kids are there, enjoy it. Dude, enjoy it. Have fun. Have family game nights. Let each individual pick a movie that they want to watch and everybody be interested, whatever it would be. Uh, spend time with your family and, and just make the most of this because, you know, I have an 18-year-old who's going to be graduating this year and going off to college and as much as this sucks, you know, whether I lose my job or not, like just the fact that like I get to see him every day and interact with him and do the things that I normally wouldn't be able to do because he's crazy out there with his friends. I get to see him and have fun and we had a great dinner tonight and things of that nature. So take advantage of the time uh, because these times are going to go away and we're going to be back to Twitter and all the time, which I'm sure all of you guys are doing right now. But, um, yeah, just take care of your families. Be safe, please. Uh, if you know you guys need anything, just make sure you guys are taking care of each other and your families. If you guys need anything for me and John, if there's any way we can help, we're in Austin, so um, you know if we can help bring things or pass things. I'm mailing some things to my dad tomorrow. Please let me know. Uh, we're more than happy to help. And uh, I guess with that being said, I'm James from or Young Ari Gold. Ooh, I used my government name for the first time on the podcast. Uh, I'm Young Ari Gold. Uh, Sign off for Texans Unfiltered. We'll catch you guys next week. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.